we've magically appeared up here. Good morning, my name is Matt, and I'm happy to be uh, interviewing some great people this morning who are going to tell us their God stories, because God is at work in our lives. He never sleeps, he never slumbers, he's always at work, whenever we feel it, and whenever we don't, he's working. So this morning, we have Allison, we have George, we have Julia, and they all have very different stories, and God is in the middle of it all. Um, And before we get into their stories, you've probably seen Dan do this. We're going to do the little rapid-fire, get-to-know-you question thing that I know this is their favorite part. They've been looking forward to this. They've been texting me constantly. So, no, they haven't. But we're going to do this. And it looks like George has got the mic, so you'll just have to pass that back and forth. Uh, George, coffee or tea? Thank you. Coffee. Excellent. Coffee. Coffee. Okay, let's get more specific. Okay, cappuccino, espresso, americano, macchiato. Double tall latte. Okay. Ooh, if I'm doing espresso, it's probably a mocha, but usually it's just drip coffee with a little bit of cream. Okay. Vanilla latte. How many pumps? One. Okay, what sport do you like to play or watch? Play? (laughs) Question answered. (laughs) How about watching football? Yeah, I'm with George. I don't play sports, but uh, I'm a huge Seattle Kraken fan, so uh, NHL hockey. Release the Kraken, right? Yes. There you go. Um, I love soccer. Playing? For fun. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Okay, it's time for peanut butter. Is it creamy or crunchy or is it Nutella? Ooh, Uh, creamy. We have this debate in our house all the time. (laughs) Uh, I am definitely team creamy. Team creamy. I'm going to go with crunchy on this one. Okay, okay. (laughs) Texas Hold'em or Scrabble? Neither. <laughs> Scrabble, if I had to. Yeah, Scrabble. Okay. Uno. <laughs> Draw four. Okay, if you were invited to a fancy wedding reception, would you order the steak, the chicken, or the pasta? Steak. Probably steak for me, too. Chicken. Okay. Okay. It's movie night, and is it going to be Barbie or Oppenheimer or Super Mario Brothers? (laughs) That's the only things playing at the theater. (laughs) Well, I've already seen the Super Mario Brothers, but I haven't seen the other two. I think I want to see all three, but Oppenheimer would probably be my first choice. Okay. Top Gun? (laughs) Probably Barbie. They're not always answering with the answers. Wow. Okay. One last either or choice, George. (laughs) You're going on vacation. Is it the mountains or the beach? Beach. Okay. Ooh, that's a hard one. Uh, Probably a beach. Mountains. All right. Well, we live in the mountains, right? I mean, they're right here, so. 
Um, okay, now I have a, a specific question for each one of them. So, Julia, you were just in Hawaii studying volcanoes. What's your favorite kind of volcano? Is it, like, let me get this right, is it the cinder cone or the composite stratovolcano or is it a shield volcano? And why? <laughs> um... So if you look at like the volcanic scale, the one at the bottom is a Hawaiian volcano because it's the Hawaiian volcanoes almost made up their own separate category. There's a debate right now if they're gonna add on like composite shield volcano Hawaiian volcanoes. Um, and so I really love Hawaiian eruptions because it's the type where there's you know lava flying everywhere and there's it's just what you think of when you think of a volcano and that's really cool. So that's, once again, inventing an answer. <laughs> <laughs> George, you were recently in Norway, and George is a good cook, if you don't know. So I'm curious, what, is your, what was your favorite Norwegian food that you experienced there? That is hard. I know it's ludifisk, but... No, no. Not ludifisk. I grew up with that, turned all the silverware black. Don't, don't eat this stuff. Um, but all other fish, Norwegians do really well. So I think on our trip, I probably had fish every day of some sort, breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Okay. And Allison, you were a nurse at the UW for 16 years? Okay. So what was your favorite part? Oh, um, I think my favorite part of being a nurse, and particularly being a nurse at UW, was that it's a teaching hospital, and so um, I, get to, I got to combine sort of teaching new doctors, new nurses, new staff, like their first day of being a doctor, um, and then also it meant that things were always changing all of the time, and so you just never knew what new procedure was going to be invented, what new, you know, it, it was nothing like I learned in nursing mm. school. That's great. Well, you can hold on to that mic because we're going to go right into your story. And let's see, it was not long ago that your son, Zach, was dedicated. When was that? Uh, that was back in June. Okay. And that was a great time. And there's a story behind that. Yeah. So I'm just going to let you take it away. Um, so if you guys were here at the end of June, um, I was up here with my husband, Rob, and our son, Zach, who's now almost 18 months old. Um, and we were dedicating him to the Lord. And I shared a little bit at that time um, about the meaning behind his name. Uh, his full name is Zachary, uh, which comes from the Hebrew Zechariah. Um, and it means uh, the Lord has remembered us. Um, and so I shared a little bit at that time about um, our journey to having a child. Um, and so I thought I'd share just a little bit more of the backstory because I had gotten a lot of feedback that people were sort of interested in hearing how God had worked um, in a really amazing way for us. Um, and so, as Matt mentioned, I um, am a nurse by training. Uh, was a nurse for 16 years um, at UW, um, working inpatient medicine, really complex patients, really sometimes very difficult population of patients. Uh, last couple of years, went into kind of more of a management role and leadership, um, which I really enjoyed. It definitely... Um, was something that I felt like I was really good at. Um, so back to the story of our family. Uh, so Rob and I um, have been married for 13 years. He works um, at Costco Corporate in Issaquah. And uh, we 
wanted to have a family. Um, when we got married in 2010, it was like, okay, well, let's get married, and okay, well, let's wait to have kids till we buy a house. And so the next year, 2011, we bought a house in North Bend, and you know, okay, we've, we've gotten married, we've bought a house, next up is have kids. Uh, well, you might notice it's 2023, and uh, we have an 18-month-old. Uh, so fast forward to 2019, um, when we finally kind of went and sought some medical help, and that was when we found out that I couldn't have kids. Um, I, it's a sort of unexplained medical condition, but there would be no having children. Um, and so that was difficult, but at the time we had some really, you know, we had some really great doctors and I'm a nurse, I'm a believer in science, medicine, like this is what we do. And so IVF was the next step. And so we just sort of charged on ahead and started the process of IVF. And um, I got pregnant and what a miracle, that was amazing. Um, and then in end of February 2020, I unfortunately lost that baby. Um, and that was, that was rough. Um, we had gone, like I said, we trusted the science. We had had genetic testing done. We had had, and the doctors said, you know what? This is like a less than 1% chance, which by the way is what I'd already heard before was that I was in this really, really small population of people that they're like, so IVF will be great for you. It'll be, you know, and why? why God was sort of our, I mean, Rob and I just went through a really hard time of like, what are you thinking, God? Like, why would you let us, I don't know if you're familiar with IVF at all, but it requires an enormous amount of um, time, medications, doctor's appointments. There were days where I would go in every day to have my blood drawn and ultrasounds done. Um, it's incredibly expensive. It's not covered by insurance most of the time. Um, it was something that we had just sort of poured everything into. And so when we lost that child, it was like, okay, God, we thought this is what you had for us. Um, so you might remember I said February 2020. So less than two weeks later, I was at work and in my leadership role was um, answered the phone and we were getting the call that we were starting to get all the patients from the nursing home in Kirkland where the very first COVID outbreak started. Um, and that was before it was even called COVID. It was just this, there was that one guy up in Everett that had brought something home from China, but they weren't really sure. And, and it was like, get it ready, because in an hour, the ambulances are gonna start arriving. Um, and so I could, talk, I mean, the pandemic, I could talk your ear off for hours about being a nurse at UW in the pandemic, and I would love to if anybody's interested to hear um, how God worked in that way. But looking back, I couldn't have done all of those things if I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. I could not have been wearing that PPE, going into the room with an unknown disease, like, or I could have, there were lots of women that did, but, but for me, like, I couldn't have been in that leadership role. Um, it just wasn't, I look back now and that's obvious to me. It wasn't so obvious at the time. Um, we kind of kept, kept on, trying and went through another failed transfer, went through, and then I got pregnant again. Um, and unfortunately lost that one too. That one was at like 11 weeks right before Christmas um, while I was at work. So that was extra fun. Um, and really, Rob and I just looked at each other and just like, what, is this what God wants from us? Maybe he doesn't want us to be parents. You know, what, what is it that he's trying to tell us? Um, 
I wish I could say that I was really faithful and I surrendered all and I just trusted God and gave it all up, but I, I really didn't. Um, that's the one thing I want you to come away with is knowing that like, I don't want to sit up here and be like, guys, I just trusted God and then the miracle happened because that's really mm. not, it's really not that simple. Um, but we did have, I mean, we have an amazing um, group of Christians around us and friends and even non-Christians who would keep us in their thoughts, you know, and um, I learned through that experience that just what amazing um, village we have around ourselves. Um, again, sort of fast forward, I mean, you guys know the ending, right? Um, Zach was born in March of 2022. Um, and and it was not, you know, it was not an easy pregnancy. It was not an easy birth. There's been challenges all along the way. Um, but, I, sorry, I have to make sure I didn't forget something in here. I might have inherited my dad's ability to stand in front of people and talk off the cuff. And so, sometimes I get a little rambly. And so, you know, I haven't quite gotten the hook yet. So. <laughs> I just want to make sure that I didn't tell you guys anything. Um, so really what I wanted to share the most about was um, what I learned through this experience. Um, and you know, as a kid, I feel like I, I heard things like, when you pray, God might say no, or not now. And, and that's really easy when you're praying about, I don't know, getting a good grade on a test. It's really, really hard when you think it's something as deeply desired as having a child. Um, and, and I do think that that was where sort of all the Sunday school stories started coming back in my mind about, you know, Sarah and Aram and being so old. Mm -hmm. I'm 42. I was over 40 when I had Zach. Um, and, and just thinking about like Sarah laughing at God when she said, he's, he said she was going to be a mother. Um, or just, you know, all the different women, and I shared about that as a dedication as well, just the women in the Bible that also had the same desire, like, or the parents. I mean, I, should, I say women because a lot of times in the Bible it's the women who are wanting to have children, but Rob wanted it just as much as I did, and how helpless is he? Like, he couldn't do anything except for give me shots that really hurt um, <laughs> every day, twice a day. Um, mm -hmm. But anyway, so I think, I think what we really learned out of this is that it really might be not now, and it really might be, hey, Allison, I have a plan. Just wait for it. Mm. Just wait for it. And, and at the end of the day, you know, he gave us this miracle child that we, you know, love to pieces, and, you know, that's a great blessing in and of itself. Um, but he also gave us the really dark times where we can look back now and say, oh, wow, like, he, the gift he, God gave us was that I could be in a leadership role that was another gift he had given me. The gift of motherhood hadn't come yet, but he had given me the gift of leadership. Hmm. He'd given me the gift of experience as a nurse. Um, I was able to, you know, mentor brand new nurses who graduated just as the pandemic hit. Like, that's something that I feel like God used me in, in that way. And at the time, I was like, well, I'm ready to quit and be, see a stay-at-home mom. And God was just like, no, hang on, I got, I got something for you first. Um, so, and then, you know, when it was all said and done, I was fully planning to go back and work full time. 
I went back for two weeks and was like, God has given me this amazing miracle. Why would I not be home with him? Um, so for now, I've just completely pivoted and stay-at-home mom, and it's really weird still. It's been a year. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I think, um, I think that's just really, like, so much we learned about way God uses different gifts that he gives us. We learned so much about appreciating the miracle of life and the miracle of what human bodies can do and are capable of, and it's just, we learned a lot. But now I can say that, looking back three years later. Wow, thanks for sharing your story. Yeah. Um, I was gonna pray at the end for all of you, but I'm gonna pray right now, okay? God, we thank you for Allison and Rob and Zach. We thank you that you do remember and that you do have a plan even when we don't know it. And we thank you for your faithfulness even when we struggle, even when we have a hard time surrendering. And Lord, that's all of us at some point, at some time, in some situation. Thank you, God, that we can trust in you, that you are faithful. And if we are having a hard time seeing that, Lord, I pray, open our eyes to trust in you for the bigger picture, even if we don't see it now, even if we don't see it for years, even if we don't ever see it. Lord, help us to trust in you. Thank you for who you are that you do remember. And Jesus, we pray this in your name. Amen. George. So you went to Norway? Yes. And, and you ate fish? I ate fish. You know that much. Every meal. <laughs> oh. I could do that. I could do that. Uh, I just got to say, there's, there's, there's a word that keeps coming up this morning, and it's surrender. I woke up with that word. Because it's in the story. So... Um, I need some notes. You know, I've kind of reached that age where I tend to forget some things. Um, but we took a trip to Norway. My wife, Carolyn, of almost 36 years. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's something to celebrate. Um, we had two distinct parts of our trip. The first part was seeing my family. So I had, I've got a lot of relatives, an aunt and a lot of cousins. So the first work week we spent sightseeing in Drammen and Oslo, seeing family, eating, eating, and more eating. You know how family is. And it was, it was so full, it was busy, but it was, it was really wonderful. So it was, as I say, we were living the dream that first week. I, I just couldn't have asked for more. It was, it was a beautiful time. Our second part is what I call our time. So we knew that the first week was gonna be busy. Second week, Carolyn and I planned for our time. So we were gonna to go to Bergen, spend a few days there, and then go to Iceland, spend a few days there, and then head back home. And it starts with a, a seven hour train ride up to Bergen from, from Drammen. It's called one of the most scenic, scenic train rides in Europe. It is unbelievable. And, you know, we get to Bergen and it's just this amazing place. And so we have one day in Bergen and then we had an interruption 
and our plans. I've titled this, Pardon the Interruption. <laughs> Thank you. You know, some interruptions are just inconveniences, and then some interruptions are throw out your plans. There is something very much more important taking priority. Carolyn started having severe abdominal pain. The kind of pain that just didn't go away, and it was getting worse and worse. And it was our experience to now uh, go through the Norwegian national healthcare system. So they have free healthcare for everybody, except for tourists, and there's just one thing about it. You have to wait, and wait, and wait. So, to, to, and I don't want to slam them too much, but it's, I will never ever complain about our healthcare system again. Yeah. <laughs> the short story is that it took two days two hospitals, one ambulance ride for somebody to diagnose Carolyn with an appendectomy or appendix that needed to be removed. Two days. By this time, um, she was in pain, like labor pain constantly. So, by the time she got into surgery, it had ruptured. So, if you know anything about that, that's, it's a dangerous condition. What it also meant was she was going to be spending four more days in this hospital on IV antibiotics. And the conditions there, let's just say, were less than ideal. Four people to a room on the gastroenterology floor. If you want details, ask Carolyn. It was horrible. I felt more like I was visiting an inmate than a patient. So they had strict visiting hours, uh, evenings only, and uh, so we got creative. I would take a taxi up to the hospital in the morning, and we would rendezvous on the fourth floor somewhere in a lounge or the canteen, uh, even a rooftop garden. She's schlepping her IV pole with her, and. Anything to get out of the room. My wife was desperate to get out of that room. She was becoming more depressed each passing day. The antibiotics were keeping her in a constant stage, state of nausea. 
And this was really, really taking a toll. Physically, mentally, and it was really, really hard to watch as a husband. So back at the hotel, I was anxious. I didn't have peace. A little bit like your story, I wish I could tell you just how strong and spiritual I was. Not so. It took me a couple of days to really come to God with an attitude of, wait for it, surrender. I just put that in this morning. <laughs> and admit my weaknesses and my need for help, I just could not carry this. So I was reminded of Psalm 139. Interesting coincidence. If I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. I, I read that and I was like, that's me. I'm a half a world away from home. Another verse that I have reminded other people about is Philippians, comes from Philippians 4, you all know it. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So now it was my turn, my turn to cling to that verse. I spent my days in Bergen walking, walking for miles. And I had a lot of conversations with God. I read a lot, I prayed a lot. I looked up other scriptures, some great promises. Deuteronomy 31, the Lord himself goes before you. He will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Joshua 1, we love to quote this one. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. There's a common theme that I kept finding. It boils down to this. Don't worry. You're never alone. And there's nothing too big, too big for God. My prayers during this time were more in the line of, Lord, I don't understand what's going on or why, but I, I accept that somehow you are still in control. There's a great line in the Gospels, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. It's a very honest prayer. I was also praying, Lord, help me to see what you are doing in my life through this. In John 16, Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Another version says, in this world you will have trials and sorrows. I have been a Christian for over 40 years. 
you would think that I would have this figured out a little better right now. Hopefully the next time my life gets messy or has another interruption, I'll try not to act so surprised. I will be quicker to see God at work in it and what he's doing in my life through it. I am grateful. I am grateful that the surgery was successful. I am grateful that I was able to cancel our Iceland plans, change our flights without penalties. I was able to extend our stay at the hotel until Carolyn was able to fly. And we have never been so grateful to walk through the front door of our house. That, there's no place like home. I don't know, I don't know if we've, I don't think that's worn off yet. So, in closing, because that's what pastors say, right? In closing, our trip, it hit me, our trip serves as a metaphor for our lives. We're all busy living our lives, making plans, and then there's suddenly an interruption. It changes our plans. So my question to you, to me, how will you and I handle that when it happens? Because it's going to happen. Thank you. Hey, let me pray for you guys. God, thank you so much for George and for Carolyn, for how they greet all of us when we come here on Sundays. We thank you for your care for them, even when that care didn't feel wonderful, when it felt more like a prison than a hospital. But we thank you for your faithfulness to them each step of that journey. Thank you, God, that you are patient with us when we are impatient with you. Again, Lord, help us to see your leading. Help us to trust in you each step of the way, and especially when the interruptions come. Jesus, be praised in your name. Amen. So, Julia, it will be good to talk to you because your life has gone exactly like you planned. There have been no changes. You, you have this plan, and it's just gone step by step, no curveballs whatsoever. So tell us about that. Couldn't have said it better myself. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, so my name's Julia, and this is, I'm the youth ministry leader here at Cascade, um, or just appointed, I guess. And I'm going to share the story about... Um, how I came into this role. And so um, it all starts kind of last summer. Um, I just graduated college. I got my BS in geology. Um, and so I was finishing my junior year of geoscience. And it's pretty typical in the STEM fields to want to get a lot of experience, right? And so I was applying for a bunch of internships. And I wasn't getting any of them. And it was getting to the last week of school. And I was like, I don't know what I'm gonna do with my summer. Like, I'll, I'll go back and work, but I'm not gonna get experience. And this random thought came to me. I was like, you should do something with the youth in the valley. And I remember thinking, wow, that is so random. 
go back to my hometown and work with the youth, who I don't know, that's weird. But this thought just kept on kind of being persistent. And I was like, all right, God, I, I don't have any internship lined up. I'll, I guess I'll go back and do that. And so I met and I reconnected with Cascade, with Angela. And she was like, yeah, we, we could totally use the help. Like, do you have any lessons planned, all those things? And I did. And so we just did like five or six, I think, summer events. And there was one event where I think two kids showed up. And I just remember being so excited that two kids showed up and I fell in love with it. I remember thinking, wow, like, like something's happening here, right? Like there's, I just feel like I'm a puzzle piece and I'm starting to fit in a place and never really felt that in the same way. And so summer ended and my school year was starting uh, and I was going to PLU, which is about an hour-ish away. I remember thinking, I, I still want to do this in some way. I think I can make the commitment to come back once a week, like make the drive hour down, hour back, and work with high school youth group. And so I was doing that, kept on loving it, missed the middle schoolers, and committed to coming back twice a week, middle school, high school youth group. And that slowly turned into sometimes a third day a week. <laughs> and I kept on loving it more and more and more. Um, and I remember Angela saying to me, you're kind of our intern, do you want to just make it official? I was like, yes. So um, I became the youth ministry intern. And as early on as October, I just felt this weird like pull, like a, a pressing in the back of my brain um, of like something's happening here. This is God speaking to you. Um, like maybe you should go into this. And I was like, all right, God, but I'm getting my degree in geology. This is not what I've planned. I'm gonna need a lot of confirmation that this is what you want me to do. And so I went on a um, exploring call retreat and the answer with that was just, you know, take it one day at a time. So I was like, all right, I'll keep on taking it one day at a time. I kept on feeling that pushing sensation all the way until um, the starting of this summer. And I graduated college and I got accepted into the field work program in Hawaii. I remember thinking, all right, I'm, I'm ending my internship, I'll do this, and I'll dive fully back into geology, and it will be amazing, right? Like, ministry will go from my mind. And once again, there was kind of that interruption, and I think there was um, two main things that happened. And the first was kind of like a realization. And so I was about three weeks into my field work, um, I was staying in a military camp about five minutes away from the crater of Kilauea, which was inflating at the time, seismically active, we could feel the earthquakes, and the doctors I was working with there were, I didn't know I'd be working with them, they're amazing, some of the top geochemists in the world. I'd been reading volcanology textbooks to prepare, and I found out that they had written two of them, like they were insane and they had, were giving us like a lecture prepping us for the field work we were going to do the next day and it was on lava tubes of all things which is so cool and <laughs> i remember thinking like like it was truly a dream scenario right like i had wanted to go to, into volcanology and i was here in this field camp and all these things and i was sitting in that room during the lecture and all i could think about was ministry and all i could think about was all the things i wanted to do with the youth and I, like, I don't wanna leave this, I can't leave this. And like a few minutes after I had that realization, the second part came, which was 
kind of like a slap to my face. <laughs> um, I think sometimes God speaks to us in a lot of quiet ways, right? Like he had been through the year, and sometimes he speaks in loud ways. And this was a loud way. And it was just this overwhelming sense of, you need to go into ministry. Ministry needs to be part of your life in some way. I didn't know if that meant, you know, be, become a pastor, try and get ordained, get my master's degree, what that looked like. It just, it was like some, a switch clicked and I, I knew it needed to be part of my life. And so I finished field camp, I came back. I was like, Angela, I think I'm supposed to do something with ministry. She was like, well, we're looking to hire someone part-time. Would you like to be the youth ministry leader? And I said, yes. Um, and I've kind of go in between um, moments of extreme joy and excitement for the school year um, and also moments of complete terror. <laughs> um, I think the whole time I was like, God, I'm, I'm not cut out for ministry like you to, to do that and to work, especially with the youth, like that, that takes some special, that opportunity, what you're speaking of our lives, like that's, that's such a big role. It's not meant for me. I'm, I shouldn't do this. Like I'm not worthy. Um, and the signs kept on coming and I was like, you just need to make it more clear. Like make it really clear. I'm really stupid. Like, please make it like hit me with it. And God hit me with it. Um, and so now I'm back and I'm working and I should be terrified. I have my degree in geology and I decided to commit to a job part-time at a church um, in which I just have my internship experience and had no idea I would ever commit to even just nine months ago. And I'm kind of here and trying to trust God and trying to surrender and trying to do everything and um, yeah, that's, that's kind of it. Hopefully it not hopefully it works out. God is good. God has his hand in it and it'll work out. But um, just kind of agreed to get on a roller coaster and I feel like I'm waiting as like it's ticking, it's getting to the top. And I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. I just need to make sure I hold on tight. Like, <laughs> so yeah, that's been my recent God story. So Sounds like God has you right where he wants you. Yeah? I hope. Yes, yeah. Well, let me pray for you as well. Thank you, God, for Julia and for how she has listened to you and heard you, even, even in a lava tube and even on her internship and getting her degree and navigating, making choices and, and changing the path that she was on. Lord, we thank you that you are faithful. Lord, we, we're just hearing this theme this morning of how we don't know what is before us. We don't know how things are gonna go, but you do. And you have gone before us, you do go before us. Lord, we do want to surrender. We want to follow you wherever you lead us. And thank you that you are by our side, you are with us at every moment. And so Jesus, again, we pray this in your name. Amen.